by no one's demand but our own and from our home office here in Elizabeth Park in beautiful Nashville, Tennessee. It is the 615 Sessions brought to you by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Buck Rising here with you, a beautiful Thursday in Music City uh, at a fun show that we have planned with 49ers quarterback, Battleground Academy grad, C.J. Bethard, kind enough to stop by the podcast, and my friend, Chad Withrow of the Midday 180 over on 104.5 The Zone to do a little Vols talk. We're going to hit it all today on the 615 Sessions. We're going to do NFL and uh, take a little bit of a deep dive with Chad in how best to navigate the dangerous waters that are Vols Twitter. So, we will do that. We will wrap up this week without... NFL training camp without really college football being in full swing. And when we return to your podcast feeds on Tuesday, we will have a full Titans training camp preview with Teron Davenport of ESPN.com. And on Thursday, Laura Oakman of the NFL on Fox and the great Mina Kimes who covers the NFL for ESPN. She will be, they, we will have a lot of female firepower, a lot of female football firepower on the Thursday show, and we're back, baby. We are back in the midst of NFL and college football season, which is the best time to be here in Tennessee, in Nashville. But first, let's do a little Vols deep dive with 104.5 The Zone, midday 180s, Chad Withrow. Back here on the 615 Sessions, A to Z Sports a to Z Sports Nashville.com, the first official guest in the new home studio. Chad Withrow, 1045 The Zone, midday 180, 10 to 2 is where you can find them weekdays at Withrow Zone on Twitter. My brother, I appreciate you stopping by. Bring in some refreshments as well. Yes, uh, sponsored by Wendy's on the midday 180, <laughs> so I had to support the sponsor and uh, brought you some refreshments, brought myself some food as well. And Buck, I'm admiring your library in your home office here. Yeah, we a- have many of the same books I've noticed, and I just saw another one, "The Whore of Akron." Indeed, about LeBron James. That's one. Um, of, that's one of the more fascinating books I've ever read. Now, I heard he put out another book after LeBron won the title, kind of as an apology tour for, yeah. for what he did to him in the Whore of Akron. That's, you read that title, and it's quite a quite a. Quite a scalding opinion. It's Scott Rabb is how you pronounce it, right? Right, yeah. Scott, so Scott Rabb, and for those who haven't read it, it's a uh, it's it's like if a very good writer put all of their emotions pen to paper when the worst sports moment in their life happened. And it yes. was a culmination of every bad sports moment as a Cleveland sports fan. So and many it, it all culminated with that. That is the book. I mean, it's just all of his thoughts. I mean, it, it's interesting for that reason. It's quite over the top, but... It's fun to read because anyone who's a diehard fan has they have moments like that where you yes one hundred percent oh my god I mean I I I live and die with every Indiana basketball game it's the only team that I'm still a sports fan for and it's terrible because they're awful awful since I was in college they they had the number one team in the country while I was there but so many just putrid losses uh, and I felt a little bit of that while reading the horror Akron is it is it weird that I like to read actual books. Like, I, I, I had a Kindle for a hot second. I couldn't get myself into it. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't, I like flipping a physical page. Yes. That makes me an 80-year-old man. Well, you don't want to bring a Kindle to the pool or the beach also. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, there, you know, there's something about 
I, I'm not a big reader. You look like a real jackass with a Kindle. At the Here's the problem with reading, too. I love this. This is very educational for all the kids. Yeah. <laughs> this, this should be the title. Pay attention, children. This should be the title of the podcast. I'm uh, the, 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 here's the problem with reading. There's so much good television out there now. Like, we're obviously big sports guys, so we love sports. We're going to watch sports all the time. But there's so much great TV out there. I feel like I'm falling behind everyone who watches all the good TV. Oh, without question. So now I'm sort of watching The Last Czars on, uh, on Netflix, and it's great and it's both dramatic and it's acted out, but it's a, a tell, retelling of history of the fall of Russian imperialism. So they actually have historians that break in and tell you what's going on sure. with, the, with the scenes, which is terrific. And I feel like I probably should be reading at night. But now because the television options are so good with all the streaming services... I feel like it's taking away from my desire to even read. Oh, without like There question. are times like I should finally finish this book on the Korean War, but I know deep down I'm never going to get to it because there's so much good TV out there. Well, and one of my things is like I I feel like I learn as much. It's it's kind of a work smarter, not harder thing. Like I feel like I learn just as much from as many podcasts as I listen to as books that I read in 2019. Like I think I think I'm probably wasting my time with you know taking a week to read a book because I try I try to get through one a week. That's typically my barometer. I like to, I like to keep my vocabulary sharp. Uh, is the only well, reason that's impressive. Half the reason that I do it at this point. See, but, I'm on a one a year plan. I, that's that's the way I go with listen, it. Listen, yeah. man, nothing. Again, wrong. Uh, the title of the podcast is "Here's the Problem with Reading." <laughs> nothing um, wrong with an annual contract. <laughs> but I love to support. Of people who write books and buy books for that that matter but you're right i mean i'm i'm much more of a i learn through audio and i learn visually yeah. most of the time so if i can hear it if i can see it i'm going to see it a lot more than processing it through reading and like a lot of people you get sidetracked you start thinking about something else and before you know it you've read five pages and you don't even realize what you just read but i am impressed with the library i'm impressed with the new home the new, you, new home studio uh, and I am thrilled and honored that I'm your first guest in the home studio. Um, I mean, we could continue talking about not reading, or at least you you reading and me not. But um, listen, I'm I mean, happy I, to- I, I'm just I'm uh, fascinated by the decor here or the lack thereof. <laughs> I know you just I know you just moved in. I well, like- we 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 have to mention for the people because this is an audio medium that Chad is sitting in a lawn chair. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sitting. <laughs> I'm sitting in a lawn chair, sipping on my uh, Wendy's his Wendy's nuggets in Wendy's the lawn Diet chair, Coke. like um, an animal huddled over it. It was yes. you know wolfing it down so we could get to the podcast conversation. Buck is lording over me like Derek Dooley when he had the the desk that was higher than everyone that came yes. in and sat over him. I feel like I'm being judged by Buck right now. The only thing lower than me in the room right now is this RCA flat screen television that's on the floor. <laughs> there's no place to even put the TV. Oh, and there's another TV, a there Panasonic TV. behind Listen, me. When all of this is, I've been in this, I've been in this bad boy for a week. But I have my housewarming party. And my birthday party tonight, so that we're gonna nice. we're gonna break this thing in right. If you feel like banging some hats later, yeah, yeah, stop by. There is a uh, there's a Reggie Miller court sign here that I love. Indeed, um, a Blue big collar, big, gold swagger, oh, go sirs. It's great, big, <laughs> big Reggie Miller guy. Big fan of the Duncan Dutchman era of Indeed. Indiana Pacers basketball. So I love to see that. Yeah, I'm just trying to paint the picture of the room here. The paint job is nice. I see a lot of paint. Yep. Not a lot of things in the walls, Not but a lot, a lot of paint. Not a lot of things on the wall. Listen, man. Paint looks good, though. It's going to look great when I have the two TVs mounted, when I have uh, my Bruce Springsteen and my Bob Dylan and my Johnny Cash and my Reggie Miller uh, paraphernalia hung up around the walls. We're going to get there. It's a work in progress. So 
I, I was just waiting. I was waiting for a little bigger guest before I had the studio fully. I, I, I completely understand. When when Paul Koharski comes back for round the two, chief. it's going to be done. Yeah. Oh no, no, are you? Make me? sure that when Paul gets here, Jonathan Hutton, that it's completely fully decorated. <laughs> I still haven't even seen Hutton's house, by the way. Really? They made fun of me for waiting six months to have a housewarming party when we built our house yeah. because we wanted to have drapes up in the house. Yes. And uh, not something I have yet either. Well, Hutton's lived in his place for like uh, two years. I feel like, and no one's even seen this place. So, well, because he's, he's way like, behind. He's like hiding out in Murfreesboro. Yeah, yeah. He? He's he's out in Murfreesboro, which is you know, it's a place. Yes, uh, it it's it's a place. It's it's not that far away from a lot of people. Uh, I don't I don't know what I'm trying to say here about it's it. Just far enough for it to be an inconvenience for me. Yeah, to go there. I'm not one of these town snobs. I actually like Murfreesboro, but it is a separate entity away from Nashville. If you don't live close to there, yes. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yes. But all in all, I like what you've done here, Buck. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, as as I'm kind of as I'm kind of feeling out the uh, the the trepidations and the trials of home ownership. That's a word I got out of a book. Nice. Uh, I I've also been trying to blindly find my way through Vol Twitter. My tenure with A to Z Sports is not something that has had me covering college sports before. This is a new this is a new revelation for me. I'm not somebody who's ever had to care about college football. Right. Like college football is not a thing in Indiana unless you're an IU basketball fan and a Notre Dame football fan. And if you are, go to hell because pick a school. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honest to God. By the way, uh, spot on with that. You absolutely have to pick a school. You cannot be a fan of convenience based on the sport and how good the team is in that sport. But continue. Well, I'm con- and to your point on that, you're, the entire enrollment of Western Kentucky just up the road, road, road in Bowling Green is either you see Kentucky shirts or you see Louisville shirts. Nobody's a Western shirt. It's all the kids that couldn't get, couldn't get into Louisville or Kentucky. And so they cannot, they cannot express their school pride at Western Kentucky. Shout out Taewon Taylor. Uh, instead, they would prefer to, to pick a side with Louisville or Kentucky. Both bad options. Yeah, and uh, MTSU is the same way. You know, we just talked 100%. about Murfreesboro. It's a lot of uh, okay. I'm a Tennessee fan, or I'm a Vandy fan, or I'm a. I'd say most students at MTSU are probably Tennessee fans, but there's Alabama fans and Auburn fans. There's not a lot of hey, I go to MTSU. I am an MTSU fan. Right. They're a fan, but it's kind of a I'll go to the game when they're good and check it out, and I'll tailgate, but they're not really a diehard fan. Probably a lot like IU football fans. Yes. Hey, I'll check it out, and I'll go party, but I'm not really into it until they're pretty good. I went to that school for four years. Which is few and far between, as you know. I set foot in that stadium one time, uh, and it was for my graduation at the very end because Assembly Hall, where the basketball team plays, and every other graduating class in the history of Indiana uh, university has graduated from Assembly Hall, except for mine, because Assembly Hall was under construction. Wow! And so we had to sweat it out in the football stadium. My uh, my first experience was poor, uh, not as poor probably if I had gone to an Indiana Hoosiers football game. Uh, even though they they played they played anyway. Regardless, they've had some good offenses they, here uh, when lately. Kevin, when uh, who's the Kevin Wilson? Uh, Kevin Wilson, offensive coordinator for Iowa State. Now they they were competitive. They they almost all they lost to Ohio State Urban Meyer's first year by a field goal when they went undefeated and they were still on uh, uh, probation or whatever the case may be. Uh, and that was the most exciting Indiana football thing that I did not see. But regardless, college football. Yes. College football is something that is is a new foray to me, and so now that I'm kind of wandering out here, I need I need some help. I need I need a a an idiot's guide to vol Twitter, and so I have 
I have called upon the great Chad Withrow uh, to kind of help me understand what it is I'm about to embark on. I don't know if you've had time to mess with Vol Twitter since you're too busy fighting Vandy Twitter at every opportunity that they present themselves. Well, Vandy Twitter is too busy fighting me. I'm just... (laughs) I'm a counterinsurgent at this point with Vandy Twitter. I'm, it's never an outright attack. I just I fight back when I feel like I'm being you know threatened in any way. How much rent are you paying uh, to the people whose heads that you are so clearly in? Well, it's it's unbelievable because um, you know we get this all the time of uh, this is why no one listens to your show and this is why I can't stand you. And I stopped People listening listen, to you two way. years ago. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah. <laughs> and so, it, well, what's funny is I stopped listening, you know, months ago because of this crap and all this. And then 30 minutes later, they'll say something we didn't tweet that was said on the show. That's exactly And right. so they're right back into it. So, it, you know, it's been fun. And I've got a lot of Vandy friends that know who I am and we're cool and, it, and they understand it. But it's this... With the Vandy fan base, it's more of a lunatic fringe. What really bothers me, though, Buck, is when... A Vandy fan that should be smarter comes to me and says, you need to start taking it easy on Vandy. Like, they'll say this to my face. Like, yes. most people say no one will ever say that to your face. I get people who will come up and say, you need to be nicer to Vandy. Or you need to, you know, not say bad things about Vandy. And I'm thinking, if you listened, which they do, but if you paid attention to what I'm saying, I say a lot of good things about Vandy. You're only hearing the 10 to 20% of things I say that may be bad. And because you disagree with it, you're getting pissed off about it. Now, Tennessee fans are like this a lot. To get back to your Vol Twitter yes. question. Help me. <laughs> so, I mean, Vol Twitter is an animal of its own. Like, that's one that I don't think you ever – you know, people can roll with the punches on social media and not let it get to them. That's not a fan base that I would ever really want to get into it with. Because no. I think the psychological damage it does to just look down at your at mentions and constantly see that – now, Dan Wolken has been public enemy number one for a while. We had him on our show on the Midday 180. It was a good interview. Yeah, and you know, I, I have issues with the way he went about things, but he's, he's dying on that hill. You know, I don't think he should. Uh, I don't really respect it, but part of me kind of does is that, well, he's saying, you know, hey, I'm not going to admit to anything. I'm not going to cop to anything. I'm going to die on this Tennessee hill. And Tennessee fans just repeatedly murder him online and well, he's had to he's had to block probably i'm guessing thousands of people oh without he's question. had to block well because once you're dead to vol fans like you're out that yeah. seems to be the case because i've never seen in my life chad something like the greg Schiano hired not hired uh landing with jeremy pruitt the entire tennessee coaching search after butch jones was let go was one of the greatest like as a sports media person I was rolling around in it like a pig in mud, oh, but I yeah. have never seen anything that absurd in my life. And like a part of it is I'm in awe of it, right? Because I'm truly, and I don't say this to pander to Vols fans, I've never seen anybody that passionate about their team. Yeah. Holy hell. Yeah. The way that they went at the administration, the way that they had politicians involved in the hiring of a football coach, it was crazy to me. So now I'm sitting here looking at at okay, I'm I'm getting ready to literally dive into Vol Twitter with this with this Periscope and Facebook Live show that we're going to A to Z Sports Primetime that we're going to start at the end of the month. How how do you how do you navigate these these people for lack yeah. of a better term without just taking a baseball bat to the wasp hive? 
you know, I think I get a bit of a pass from most of them because they know that I went to the school and ultimately I want to see Tennessee do oh, well. Sure. So I well, probably listen, we all want to see Tennessee yeah, do well because they're better for everything. Are ridiculous, yeah. of course. There's so many fans, but you know, it's also a. Um, I, I, so I think people deep down know. Okay, well, I, I've been very hard on Tennessee. I've actually been harder on Tennessee than Vandy, and rightfully so because they've been shitty for a while now in in football, but. That whole Shiano thing, oh my God. what I saw with that, and this is an ESPN 30 for 30 one day. I, I truly believe that. And it, there are so many different layers to that whole story. But I remember sitting at home, the Titans were playing the Colts that day. And I'm watching Twitter, and Dan Wolken was the first one to have it. And then suddenly it starts to spiral, and other people are picking up. And I'm thinking, it looks like it's actually going to happen. Yes. You know, it looks like this is actually – Tennessee's going to go down this road – and I'm actually searching. I remember that week I'm searching Dave Doran, assistant coaches, to get ready for the show. Now I'm searching Greg Schiano, and we're talking to Logan Ryan about it, who played for Greg Schiano. And it's more of me just accepting, I can't believe it's happening, but it's going to happen. Because it was an acceptance for you, right? And I, yeah, and I just knew I, – I thought it was a terrible hire from a culture standpoint of what Tennessee needed at that point, and I knew the fans would hate it. But I had come to the point of acceptance that, well, we're going to have to talk about this, and we are going to have to talk about the fans' anger, but we're also going to have to talk about Greg Schiano, the coach, and the incident and everything else. But then as the day goes on, you start seeing the backlash. And then you start to see, okay, it's not just your everyday run-of-the-mill fans pissed off backlash. This is, as you said, politicians getting involved. And suddenly you could tell it stalled. You know, then I think Chris Lowe got involved with some tweets, hey, this may not happen. I remember I actually, I was the opposite of you. I had to get away from it. Like, I knew we were going to be talking about it regardless one way or the other. I went and watched Daddy's Home 2. Did that make you feel better? At the theater. And I'm thinking, I just want to get as far away from this as possible. This is, you know, around the holiday season. Like, I'm going to go watch this Christmas movie. Enjoyed it. By the time I left the theater, I finally looked down at my phone. It's off. Yes. Greg Schiano is not going to be offered. You know, John Curry went back to Knoxville, and I, I so rejoiced. So you really had to take a, like a couple hours and compartmentalize. Well, and that's and you know that's where like the fan, the Tennessee fan in me left at that point. I was excited. The Tennessee fan was excited. It wasn't going to be Greg Schiano, but then the media member came in and said, "This is awesome because now this whole circus, this clown show continues." Oh my god! Like my biggest thing was I didn't want it to end there because I enjoyed the coaching search so much. So much, and now I'm thinking. Boy, there are so many possibilities of where this thing can go and how bad it could get. And that's when you had Dave Dorn, and that's eventually led to Mike Leach, Jeff Brom. Yes. There was a Tuesday on the show where I was convinced Jeff Brom was going to be the coach. I'm trying to talk to people who know Jeff Brom. I think Jeff Brom probably would have been the Tennessee coach. I don't think he was ever officially offered the job. Yeah. That's just how weird everything was. Things were getting out, and John Curry was so bad at covering his tracks and communicating with people that you didn't know what was true and what wasn't. I mean, it was it was the Certainly one of one of the, if not the wildest story I've ever covered. And then when it was Jeremy Pruitt, I was relieved as a Tennessee grad that I felt like, well, this will bring some stability because it's Philip Fulmer and it's Jeremy Pruitt. And I knew he was going to hire a really solid football coaching staff. 
But also, I was a little bit disappointed from the radio show side that this is just going to be boring. Right. Because (laughs) that's what he is. Yeah, like 22 minutes of of stalling at SEC media days. And one of the most, listen, we've all sat through some brutal press conferences. And I'm trying to do my homework on the Tennessee Volunteers and everything going down at SEC media days. And I'm sitting here listening to this man dressed like a a glorified UPS truck driver. Talk, talk the Cleveland Browns mascot was one I saw on Twitter that it was man. funny. He, I mean, he dresses like a ball. I said it today on the on the A to Z Sports Morning Show. I said that he reminds me of my high school football coach who would maybe coach a hi- or teach a history class every once in a while, put on national treasure for yeah. us to learn about uh, American history, and then game plan in the background. That's and, that's, and that's what, what I. Saw hey, that's before. that's who he is too. Sure. Like that was going to be his life plan was to be like his dad. Be a history teacher or a PE teacher and a high school football coach. Yeah, I think he's gotten a lot better in terms of just speaking to the media. He speaks with a better pace now. You know, he really had that Southern drawl come through when he was talking slower when he took the job. But I think he's gotten a lot better. But, uh, and when I say boring, what I mean was the, the option was Mike Leach at the time before that. And when Mike Leach was the option, I'm thinking this is going to be spectacular or a spectacular disaster. And either way, it is going to be so entertaining because now you have Derek Dooley again, except this guy scores tons of points and wins a lot of games, and he says anything. So with Jeremy Pruitt, I think I've just resigned myself to the team's going to get better because you don't have the highest paid coaching staff in the country or one of the top two and, and not get better. I mean, these guys have won everywhere they've been. I feel like they're going to coach now and get better. We're just not going to have the crazy sideshow to go with it. Yeah, we're not so, going to have the circus. Right. So Tennessee grad Chad is excited about the silence and the lack of things coming from it. Media Chad that hosts a radio show is thinking, man, I kind of miss those days. Oh my God. But to your point, Buck, I mean, this is like, this is true with the Titans. Well, really with anything, the Predators, the, it's always better for us when the teams are good. Of course. I mean, pe- fans will get on to us and say, you're rooting against the team. I- I'm never really rooting against the teams because – I want interest, and I want people excited. No, I don't want to walk into a locker room after the Titans have lost to the Colts for, we'll say, a 12th time if it happens. Yeah. And I don't want to talk to Taylor Lewan after that and try to get a sound bite out of him. I don't want to deal with Mike Vrabel after that. Why would I want my job to be harder? I, I try to be as transparent with people as possible. I, tar- I tell them I'm not a fan of your team, Yeah, but I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm not rooting for them to win because I would prefer for the teams that we cover to be good because God knows. I mean, if the, if the Preds hadn't crapped their pants the way that they had against Dallas and the, NF- and the NFL draft hadn't been that week, I think we would have been we would have been in a bad spot as people who are in the content business because thank God for the draft. Well, and I always think that joy sells a lot more than than pain and misery. You know, for people, yes, people listen when things are bad, and certainly people are tuned into that whole circus of the Tennessee coaching search. But I think ultimately, when teams are good, people pay more attention, people are more excited, and uh, they're they're eager to get to their podcast or their radio or their television or their website to, sure. to consume that information. But uh, I, I, I've seen this maybe twice in my 15 years uh, covering teams here for, for Nashville radio, but you will not believe what it's like when both the Tennessee Vols and the Tennessee Titans are good at the same time. Oh, I can't When imagine. they're both relevant, it is a joyous occasion in this city, and it's just it has not happened. Even 2008 when the Titans were so good, and uh, had the number one seed, and they lost that game to Baltimore. 
that was a five and six season for Tennessee. They yeah. were they were good in 06 and 07 as the Titans were kind of building and then fell off the cliff. And it's just it hasn't really lined up in most years where the both teams have been good. But from the college and pro perspective, there's really nothing better from a coverage perspective than when you have both Titans fans and Vols fans and they're both interested in their team. And both teams are doing really well. It, it helps everything. Yeah, I mean, it's all we can ask for, yeah. right, is relevancy. Right. Uh, and so I kind of look at Jeremy Pruitt, and I'm curious. I, I know you've you've talked about this ad nauseum on uh, Midday 180, but I look at Jeremy Pruitt, and I'm kind of trying to diagnose last season, heading into this season. I understand that he realizes what his position is much better now. He's willing to give up the defensive play calling uh, to Derek Ainsley when before he said that he would rather quit coaching yeah. than give up play calling. Said he, he wanted to call co- offensive plays too. Yeah, Exactly right. Uh, he's hired Jim Chaney, who knows how to scheme offenses in the SEC and has been tearing people up for the better part of a decade. Uh, he seems to take the necessary steps to delegate, to be more of a CEO, and I'm kind of curious as to what you think about the moves that he's made and in terms of where you think he has them, because they're rebuilding. And so I'm kind of, what, what is it going to take for him to continue to keep them on track for relevancy? I love what he's done this offseason. I love some of the things he said at SEC Media Days, not because he said something that just blew everyone's mind, but I heard introspection from Jeremy Pruitt which my biggest fear with a guy like Pruitt is that he is going to come into Knoxville, he's going to feel like he has all the answers, that he's going to be a, a little Nick Saban running around, he's going to do exactly the way Nick Saban does and feels I, like everyone else is an idiot not listening to anyone. And that's, that was my biggest fear from day one with him. And uh, he, he has not shown that. I mean, he had that comment. I think that's the one that jumps out of, if, hey, if I can't call coach plays, I don't want, if I can't call plays, I don't want to coach. And uh, he's backed away from that. And I think that shows a guy – who learned a lot in the first season. We played a, a, a quote on our show, in fact, some audio. He was asked, I think, in the TV room about the number one thing you learned from season one. And he said, when you take a job, you start thinking of the things that are in place. Immediately, I'm thinking about practice field and getting the weight room and the hires I'm going to make on the coaching staff and making sure all these things look good in the way that we want them. And he said he lost track of his players. For sure. He said when the things fell apart late in the year, he said, you know, we did a lot of things last year that's uncharacteristic of teams I've been around, mental errors and not really playing that hard the last couple weeks. And he said, that's on me. And then I realized, oh, these players don't really trust me because I didn't give them a reason to. Yeah. So he's tried to reconnect with his players. There's the anecdote of him having Jared Garantano to his house for blueberry pie. First time Jared Garantano had had that. <laughs> you know, blueberry a, pie. A southern treat. Outstanding. Um, but I've never had blueberry pie. It's, it's good. I need to get It's really that. good, okay. yeah. yeah. You're in Tennessee now. You need to, you need to make that happen. Yeah. But, no, it's, uh, I think it's very encouraging. I don't know that these changes are going to work out. But I think it's encouraging that he made changes and that he, after one season, he realized, I don't have all the answers. Here's what I need to do. And to go and get Georgia's offensive coordinator in Jim Chaney, I mean, that's, you know, Georgia fans are going to say, hey, he was on his way out anyways. No, he wasn't. And Georgia did counter offer, and they no, would have loved to have had him. the yeah. best team in the East. Yeah, they were not going to fire Jim Chaney or anything like that. Tennessee came in, and maybe there were some people unhappy with him at some point. They were. They're one of the top five offenses in college football a year ago. Now, granted, the players at Georgia are much better than at Tennessee right now, but I think that was a brilliant hire. He can now relax and let Jim Chaney run the offense and feel confident in that. 
and he'll have his hands all over the defense. But bringing in Derek Ansley is going to be great for that defense. He thinks just like Jeremy Pruitt. So I'm encouraged by all this, but that's also to say I'm not going to you know sit here and say Tennessee's going to make the jump to nine and three no. or eight and four this year. But I do expect them to be better, and sure. I think and I think everyone expects them to be better, and they expect not just to look better and be more competitive, but to have more wins this year. Because the biggest disappointment a year ago was a team that was good enough to win at Auburn and beat Kentucky twenty four to seven at home when they're top fifteen team in the country got smacked by Missouri and Vandy at the end of the year. Yeah. So you have to reconcile – Missouri at home. Missouri, and Missouri made them look so bad. So you have to reconcile that if you're Jeremy Pruitt. And I think some of the ways he talked at SEC Media Day shows that he's thinking about what led to that team that everyone saw at the end of the year, which I think is a good thing for Tennessee. Yeah, like the lack of competitiveness to me, because I, I tried to go back and watch the games from last season to kind of understand what I would, what I should be looking for heading into this season. And I think it was what six games of twenty of lo- six losses of twenty five points or more. And I'm looking at this, I'm like, what the hell yeah. is going on here? How is this humanly possible? But when you when you speak to introspection, that word, that's such a damn rare thing in football coaches. I don't think people understand. And in, in, in coaches in general. Never would have heard that from Butch Jones. Oh, my God. Now, look, Butch Jones, I'm not saying – I'm not one of the ones who will say Butch Jones was terrible the whole time. He did some nice things at Tennessee. They were winning more games each of his first three years. And then year four, they flatlined and then went way down. But you never would have heard that from Butch Jones. No, God. No. I mean, if you ask Butch Jones, I always wanted this question to be posed to him over and over. What is something specifically you would do different next time to help the team? And he could never give you an exact answer. Jeremy Pruitt gave you an exact answer. Here's where I screwed up. Here's the number one way I screwed up last year, and here's sure. what I need to do better this year. I think that's such a good sign because you never would have heard that from the previous head coach. Am I wrong for missing him, Butch Jones? Uh, no. I miss him so much. Yeah, brick by brick and the energy oh my bus. God, and champions the, of life. For, yeah. So we used to do, when I was on the radio, we would do. A That's segment. when we started to know it was really over. Well, At the end of that 2016 season, that loss to Vandy. And then uh, I know they went to the Music City Bowl that year and beat Nebraska. Yes. A banged up Nebraska team with a backup quarterback. But like you could, you could see the cracks in the armor. So from that loss at South Carolina. Then it was like, oh gosh, this is this I mean, is going was, to derail fast. Was there ever really any armor though? Like I've never met a man, or I've never l- seen a football coach who g- carried himself with more insecurity. It felt like than yeah. Butch Jones, and like I don't know, I don't know if he if he just lacked the self awareness to understand that hey, we can all see this, dude. <laughs> like we can smell this on you. Yes, this is a really really bad thing that's going on here. I've never seen a coach like that. Can you imagine playing for someone like that, too? Like We see that from a media perspective. We're a bunch of media schlubs that look at Butch Jones, and we think, this guy does not inspire any confidence. He has no confidence in himself. He's insecure. He's wishy-washy. He's panicked on the sideline at times. And think of the players. You you keep hearing about they weren't 100% with us, that they weren't real with us. We got mixed messages. I'm thinking, well, yeah, looking back, duh. Yeah. But here's a guy who didn't – and I think Butch Jones kind of knows what he's doing. He was just so worried about all the wrong things, and it made him so insecure. Now, one thing about Jeremy Pruitt, he really does not care. No. Does not care what the media thinks. No. You know, he cares about his coaches and his players and that they're listening to him, and that's about it. So if there's one thing you say about Jeremy Pruitt, you know, he's not the best uh, quote – 
he's not going to be the best at media days or anything like that or post-game or pre-game comments, anything like that. But he's certainly not insecure. No. He no. is a secure guy in what he is and what he wants to do. Imagine being so uninspiring or so unfulfilling in your job that you can't get anything out of the competition aholics. Like people who thrive on competitiveness, who want to go out there and, and bang hats and, yeah. and do whatever it takes to get over the hump and beat Alabama and things like that. And you're just coming out like I, I, I almost said limp, but I, I mean, I guess I can do that on That's the podcast. That's a podcast. Say whatever you we want. We can do that. It's also your podcast, yeah. <laughs> I just, he, he was... A wet blanket. And I don't want to spend much more time on Butch Jones because I don't want to keep you too terribly long and I could talk for Well, and a good example of that. So this past week, Will Muschamp, the opposite of Butch Jones. You know, he's asked a terrible question uh, from some writer that's probably a Clemson TV person or something who basically is stumbling through this question of asking him and he says the words, what's it been like to become Clemson's little brother? And he just stopped him and said, we're no one's little brother. I'm going to end that right there. We're no one's little brother. I saw that. And I'm thinking, you know, say what you want about Will Muschamp, and maybe he's going to be in trouble at some point in South Carolina, and he got fired at Florida. I love that answer. And if you're a South Carolina fan, you love that damn answer because that is a guy who is not going to take anything from anyone. For sure. And I, I like it. But you don't say that to a, a grown man. Like, that's the thing is that, the question was so bad. Brother. There were so many things you could ask. Hey, Clemson's won two national titles now. They just housed Alabama. Is it difficult coaching in-state now with all of Clemson's success? You could say it in so many different ways to get an answer, but to stumble through and say, what's it like being Clemson's little brother? I mean, no one. They tried to get a soundbite. They could lose 30 straight years. they were asking, like you, could, yeah. you can tell when people start leaking confidence. I do it at Mike Vrabel press conferences all the time because he's a scary dude sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can feel the eyes on you. I will I will peter out when Mike starts staring through me. He's pretty good at that. Yes, yeah. Uh, but it's it's just, it's laughable, some of the people that, that – do those jobs and I you know I don't want to take out anybody unnecessarily because it's not easy to get up in front I mean Mike Mike Vrabel for example is an intimidating human being right Taylor Lewan, just for example is an intimidating person to go up and talk to and ask questions it's not the easiest thing in the world no but if you're going to come at come at uh, somebody with some Mickey Mouse bullshit like how does it feel to be Clemson's yeah. little brother you better feel damn good about that question before right. you take a swing. Well, and there's you know there's a difference between asking really tough, good questions that need to be asked and kind of being a dickhead. Sure. And to me, that's what you're doing. You're almost trolling with the coach right there. And if you don't – if you're the guy asking that question and you don't get why that's going to piss off the coach, you shouldn't be working in athletics. No. Because anyone who does this or asks people questions, you have to understand athletics – competition, high-level sports, because these are competitive, fiery individuals. So you can't cha- – I mean, that is challenging Will Muschamp's manhood when you refer to him in South Carolina as anyone's little brother. Nobody puts baby in a corner. It's absolutely. And <laughs> I don't care if you lose 30 straight. You don't ask someone, what's it like being their little brother? That's something someone does on Twitter yeah. to you that doesn't have a picture on their avatar. I, but I again, that made me like Will Muschamp more when he gave that answer the way he did. I, I loved it. So just to kind of bring things home, because we've kept you for far too long, you've been gracious with your time. Uh, for I've been asking. I had Jonathan Crompton uh, on the podcast. The he's great, day. by the way. He's fantastic. Yeah, he's been a guest on our show before too. He's really, he's really, really enjoy. He's awesome talking to him. But the more that I try and talk to people 
who cover Tennessee or who are involved with Tennessee, I'm always curious to know what in their in their personal opinion it would mean to say that Tennessee is back. Like what are the criteria for Chad Rith what what is the criteria for Chad Withrow to say, okay, Tennessee is now back, quote unquote. You gotta surpass South Carolina, Missouri, Kentucky, and Vandy okay. in the East. You have to feel confident, which Butch Jones basically got to that point where you felt confident they were more talented and better than those teams. So step one is passing those teams, getting back to your, if you want to call it rightful place, we'll call it rightful place in the top three rotation in the East. That top three rotation is Florida, Georgia. For Tennessee truly to be back, they need to be better than those teams in the East. They need to win one of the three, Florida, Georgia, and Alabama, and be damn competitive in the other two. If they get to that point and you see a 10-2 and two Tennessee team in the current SEC, based on where they've been, and you feel like they can continue doing that, and it's not just a one-year fluke with a bunch of fifth-year seniors, I, I, could, I would say Tennessee is back. Yeah. Now, some are going to say, you know, well, they got to win the SEC. I'm not going to go that far. I feel like they're back if they are competitive in the East again against the two best teams in Georgia and Florida, and they're clearly ahead of those other four teams and competitive against Alabama at some point. I mean, that's that's where you got to get. 2015, they were two minutes away from beating Alabama. You know, they lost 19-14. to 14. That's the last time I looked, I watched a Tennessee team and thought, that is a physical football team. Yeah. That's the last time I thought that. They got to get back to that. And that's where Jeremy Pruitt comes in. Sure. And that's his brand of football. That's that's the whole mantra. That's that's what people are buying with Jeremy Pruitt. What and did I, Crompton say, by the way? I need to go back and listen to that on uh, your Crompton, podcast. Crompton was fantastic. He was very, very complimentary. Uh, oh, in terms of uh, – Yeah, what, what, did, what was his answer to that question? So his answer, his answer was they need to be competitive in the East. They need to be competitive with Alabama. Yeah. And they need to what, – what I was getting ready to wrap this thing up with, they need to be a program with teeth. Like they can't be trafficking in their name anymore in the way again I go back to and there are so many comparisons with Indiana basketball Butch Jones is Tom Crean Indiana yeah. in in the way that they their fans think they've mattered but they haven't won a title since the 80s it's it's a lot <laughs> there's a lot there but they need to stop trafficking in the brand of Tennessee it's something that I feel like happens with a lot with I mean like I said Indiana is a, a great example of that but Tennessee even the media, from a standpoint, like I feel like Tennessee, the, the ESPN FPI thing, which I know, you know, you give it whatever credence you can, and I know that so weird. It's based off a of snap, returning snap counts and stuff like that. So it's not the most legitimate thing, but for them to, have, to feel comfortable projecting Tennessee as a top fifteen team in the country, I'm sitting there looking at like, what the hell? What the hell is it other yeah, than I'm the not, fact that Tennessee is Tennessee? Yeah, I'm not buying that at all. Right? But they, you know, it's and going on to what you said there. I think also it's getting guys where football is important to them again. And I think Tennessee got away from that. That's one area that I think Jeremy Pruitt is really serious about is when he recruits someone and goes all in on someone, he wants – of course, you want the top-level athlete. But he wants guys where football is an important part of their life. You know, it's not just some sideshow. It's this is life-and-death type stuff to these players. That's what he wants. He wants people that have their priorities out of whack. (laughs) Where it's football first, and I'm going to succeed in football, and we're going to win, and competition well, means a lot to be them. Balanced, or you're or you're gone, yeah. and I mean, or it's death. And, and, and in college football, it is. Yeah. And I think Jeremy Pruitt understands that. He is Chad Withrow. Any any advice before I get you out of here? Any yeah. advice for this upcoming college football season? My first, actually covering it legitimately. 
Any advice? Um, don't engage with Tennessee Twitter too sure. often. Um, that's a battle that uh, while you may win with logic, you will be defeated with numbers. <laughs> They're going to throw a lot of numbers at you with but that. But you know, I like to you know I like to fight on Twitter. Like I like yeah. to get down in the Twitter sewer chat. I, also, I don't think that's a fight I want though. I'll lose that one. <laughs> I think the understanding. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I think also the understanding that you already have it that. Um, you know, it's it's fun to watch Tennessee as the sideshow at times, but if Tennessee football ever gets back, it is truly good for everyone in the state. And that sounds like something a Tennessee fan would say. Nah. But I'm telling you from a media perspective, and you know this in Indiana, uh, with Indiana basketball, it's just a lot better for everyone. It makes everything so much more interesting. It even makes Tennessee Vandy more compelling. And I'll say this to Vandy fans also. It'll be a hell of a lot sweeter, like in 2016 when Vandy beat Tennessee, when you beat a good Tennessee team. Of course. Because that was a very talented, good Tennessee team that Vandy beat here in Nashville. So I think it makes everything better in the state football-wise. So maybe that'll start to happen this year, but they sure as hell won't be the 15th best team in the country, according to ESPN and <laughs> FBI. Chad Withrow, Midday 180, 10-2 weekdays is where you can find he, Paul Kaharski, and Jonathan Hutton. Although not this past week, a lot, a lot of plus ones rolling through. How did you, how did you manage the boys? Did it was you direct uh, that pretty well. Yeah, That's I mean, a my, tough one. <laughs> my, my game plan with Taylor Lewan and Will Compton was just get out of the way for the most part, kind of direct the conversation, but let them do their thing and go wherever it went, and it went a number of places. It was fantastic. Uh, those those guys were terrific. But yeah, I, I was solo this week, so I had some some help with some guest hosts, but. It was a lot of fun. We're back at it with everyone, though, uh, next week. 104.5 The Zone is where you can find him. Withrow Zone on Twitter is how you follow him. Appreciate you stopping by, buddy. Thanks for having me, Buck. Next time I come in here, I expect this to be fully decorated. (laughs) Or at least for when Paul is on, it better be fully decorated. Indeed. I know the chief will let me have it. Yes. Back here on the 615 Sessions, A to Z Sports a to z sports nashville.com buck rising here with you very happy to have cj bethard uh battleground academy grad nashville native 49ers quarterback on the podcast cj cj i heard that you just bought a house i myself recently just went through that process it was terrifying uh to do that and to go through something that adult uh, how did you manage the home buying process Looking at places, if you like them, and then I would have, you know, my parents kind of go because me and my parents kind of have the same, you know, style, and I trust them. They would go look at look at it for me. Um, but I had a good realtor, and um, I got got a little bit of land with it, so it's, it's pretty nice. But it, it was definitely a stressful, stressful process. That's for sure. Oh my God! I uh, it when that when that wire deposit left my account on the day that I that I closed, it just it felt like somebody just. Just kick me right in the nuts, CJ. If I'm being totally honest, like that, yeah. that hurt my soul more than anything else I have experienced. But it's been worth it. It's been really cool. And I bought my first lawnmower, and I cut my grass the other day for the first time. I'm delighted. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah, nothing, nothing worse than home ownership and cutting, you know, cutting your own grass. For sure. So you're hosting this free football uh, clinic coming up this weekend at BGA. Uh, mm-hmm. These football camps, to me, CJ, are always so great because of what they do for the youth in the community, especially when you're making it free and open to the public, as you have. How much do – like, I see a lot of, of players' teammates show up to each other's camps and, and kind of help participate with the coaching up of the, guy, of, the, uh, of the youth that's there. How much do players enjoy going to one another's camps this time of year? 
Yeah, I think I think they enjoy it a lot. I mean, anytime they can get around, um, you know, kids and kind of help, you know, talk to kids and um, be good inspiration for kids and role models for for, for the youth is is great. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it's it's awesome. I mean, for for me, I like I like doing stuff like that. Did you when you were coming up and when you were growing up in Nashville, uh, getting ready to go to BGA? Did you go to a lot of these camps? Yeah, I went to a couple. Um, yeah, I feel like I was always. It was kind of tough for me to get to these camps. Um, I was always playing whether it be baseball, basketball, football, or soccer. And you know, growing up, it's kind of hard to hard to find time to get there. But um, it's definitely stuff that I would have liked to go to more of. Hey, what's what's George Kittle's connection to Nashville? I was I was uh, doing a project with Corey Davis, Titans wide receiver, on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and George and Corey work out with the same personal trainer. I saw him. I saw Trent Taylor, uh, a couple of other guys that I recognize. What what what's their connection to the Na- to Nashville? Are they just here to work out? I'm not, I'm not quite. I think maybe because I remember um, when we both got drafted to San Francisco in the offseason. I was kind of harping hard on him. Like, I mean, you should come to Nashville. It's a great spot. There's actually, you know, a good, good chunk of guys that, that train here in the offseason. Um, and then he came down and just really offseason the Airbnb to house and uh, him and his uh, wife. And then uh, they fell in love with, this, you know, Jeremy Holt, who's the trainer, trains all those guys. And, and then you know, the next year he had his, his breakout year. So then I think it, turn into one of those things. Like, oh, yeah, you know, if it's a workout, I'm going to keep doing it. He just bought a house in Nashville as well. And uh, his dad actually just got the, the offensive line coaching job at Lipscomb Academy. Lipscomb Academy. So, um, yeah, they're, they're here for good now. So it's pretty cool. For sure. Yeah, I, I imagine he wanted to keep everything uh, as in place as possible after he had the all-pro season. He was fantastic for you guys yeah, last definitely. year. Uh, mm-hmm, he was. Your career, though far, CJ, has been has been really interesting to follow because I mean we all we've all seen your ability through college and through a couple years now in the pros. But when it seems like you get your opportunities because they are so few in mm-hmm. the NFL, injuries derail you like they do a lot of guys. In yeah. League. How how much can that jack with you mentally as you're kind of trying to deal with you know I w- I want my opportunity as somebody who's backing up a uh, a quarterback in the NFL, but when I get out there, my body fails me. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it, it definitely can frustrate you and, um, you know, drive you crazy if you, um, if you let it. Um, I think it comes down to like having a, having the right support system around you and, and the right mental, um, you know, focus that, to not let that, that kind of stuff get in your head, even though it's as tough as it is, um, you know, especially knowing that, you know, fellas, you know, staying for not, not for long, sure for not for long, but, you know, being a, a backup quarterback, your your opportunities are so limited, and you want to make the most out of them. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it comes down to just you know, having faith and trusting in the process, and you know, it's trying to get healthy. And you know, the off season, um, you can always learn something from you know trying to get down and not and take less hits, so you you can kind of save your body a little bit. It's crazy though the the idea that it it just seems so hard for me as somebody who doesn't have to deal with a situation like that in my professional life like to mentally uh, compartmentalize like that kind of, like you have to literally like I, I know I get on I get on players for 
you know, hitting us with cliches like block out, block out all the noise, stick with the process. But that's literally all it is. Like you can't explain yeah. it much better to people. Uh, it's just not. I I lack the mental toughness to be able to deal with something like that in my life, CJ. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, it does sound very cliche, but I feel like that's one of the biggest, the biggest things that really hurt guys' careers is not being able to to block out the noise and the, the media and what people say about you and what they think about you. That, I mean, especially nowadays with how social media is and um, you literally, everyone and anybody has an opinion and you see it, see it anywhere you get tagged you know, on Instagram, whatever it be. I think the biggest deal is just being able to, to know, you know, what you think about yourself and what you know. Only you know yourself you and your coaches and yourself to anybody else and, and um, the people that believe in you and, and, and your family and, and stuff. And that's all that matters at the end of the day. I, uh, it's, it's something that I've kind of gone back and forth on, CJ, whether to like tag – because I cover the Titans on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're, we're talking about the players. We're talking about the games, how they perform on a week-by-week basis. And I'm always kind of conflicted as to whether I should tag guys. You know, because mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to be like, "Hey, you sucked on Sunday." I'm going to talk about it. Listen to my radio show coming up next. But I also, because mm-hmm. I'm going to be in the locker room afterwards, I don't want to think. I don't want guys to think that I'm ducking them. I'm always curious as to how players receive stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, I just got to the point now. Where I just don't even. If I see, I honestly don't even look at stuff. On yeah, you're, you're, you're not on Twitter, on Twitter, are you? No, I'm not on Twitter. Um, I haven't been on Twitter since. Senior of high school, just because we were allowed to have it. I know, and then I kind of do things every once in a while. I just go through, um, like Instagram, where I just delete it off my phone for. I had to delete it off this past uh, couple months, just just I don't get on it. It doesn't distract me from stuff, and you know my mind's clean. So I'll probably do it again here coming up during camp. Just can't get off it for a little while. I mean, I think it helps a lot for me, especially. I can't imagine like what it would do for my professional life if I just had like if I had the courage to delete my Instagram for a month. Yeah, I think I, mean, it, I think I would break down. Yeah, that's a, that's the toughest thing about it is, is it just getting there and actually doing it, and then I mean, it's like yeah, there's a world and everyone on social media and being able to get on and see things quick and see what everyone else is doing. It's just kind of I mean, that's what that's what the world is now, but. Um, I think it's refreshing to get off and delete it for a little bit. For sure. I, I didn't even make the connection until last night when I was doing a little prep uh, for the interview, CJ. Your brother, Tucker, I, I run in, I, I've run in similar circles with him before, met him a couple times. Great guy, fantastic country artist. Uh, mm-hmm. How many times have you been asked whether you possess any musical ability? Oh, all the time. Right. All the time. Are you tired About- of that question? No, I, I don't care. I mean, it makes sense. Just my dad being who he is, and my brother, obviously, it makes sense that people ask that. Um, but it's funny. That it's funny. Um, I'm sure I get asked as much as Tucker gets asked if he had any athletic ability. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, for sure. I, uh, I, and I've really enjoyed the new music that he's been putting out. How, how cool has it been for you to kind of see how he's? I mean, because he's really, he's really coming to his own. It feels like. Over the mm-hmm. past couple of years, at least, I mean, I moved to Nashville four years ago, and Tucker Bethard is somebody who I know by name, which is mm-hmm. not something that you can say about every country artist putting out music in Nashville in 2019. Uh, yeah. it's, it, it has to been, it has to be cool to see your brother kind of hit hit his star turn that way. 
Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, he 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 started off, you know, pretty strong with his single rock on, and then kind of you got the number two on the charts, and he kind of hit a hole there because him and his label weren't seen eye to eye, so kind of got out of that. It was kind of on hold there for like almost a year and a half, just with nothing, not not putting out anything, which is kind of a bummer for him. He was he was stressing with it, and then finally got out of that record deal and just signed a new one a few months ago with uh, Warner Brothers. And they just he just put out a new one on the radio called Better Than Me, a really good song. And um, it's just slowly, just now slowly moving up the charts, and um, and he's out in the road a lot promoting that song and just playing shows. So yeah, I'm really proud of him. Yeah, I heard it this morning. I actually listened to Ty Bentley on the way to work. He uh, Ty Ty gives Tucker a lot of love on the Ty Bentley show. Oh, that's awesome. That's good enough for sure. C.J. Beathard, kind enough to stop by. 49ers cornerback, BGA grad. He's hosting a free football clinic at his alma mater this weekend, ages five to fourteen. Register now at www.bga excuse me, bgacamps.com. I don't know why that was so hard for me. <laughs> Saturday, July 20th, 9 to 11 a.m. CJ, really appreciate you stopping by. Continued uh, health and success in the upcoming season and uh, uh, really cool what you're doing for the kids. Yes, sir. Thanks. Thanks a lot for having me. I appreciate it. For sure. Uh, all right, boss. Appreciate it. Thank. Uh, I'll be sure to shoot Mike an email and uh, thank him for having you on and uh, best of luck this weekend. Yeah, no problem. Thanks a lot. Take care. See you. Okay, many thanks to our friends C.J. Beathard and Chad Withrow for being so kind to share a little bit of their time and their insight and their personality with you here on the 615 Sessions. Grateful to them for their presence. Listen, we are going to come back hot next week. I mean, we are going to start strong. I already told you off the top that Teron Davenport of ESPN.com is going to be here with me Tuesday in the home studio to give you a full Titans training camp preview. Then we will return with you Thursday with Laura Oakman of the NFL on Fox and ESPN's Mina Kimes, who of course covers the NFL for the worldwide leader. We will have the female football firepower. I almost said another F word on accident there. Uh, The female football firepower podcast coming to you Thursday. And as I mentioned earlier, Teron Davenport on Tuesday. It's football time, baby, and we are ready to rock. Not to mention all the Titans players, coaches, uh, people around your Tennessee volunteers. We're going to do it all here on the 615 Sessions, and we are grateful to you guys who make it possible. So make sure that you're rating, reviewing, and subscribing wherever it is that you find your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, the 615 Sessions is available to you on all of those mediums. So make sure that you are rating and reviewing where the ratings and reviews can be left. Meanwhile, many thanks to the people who make this thing possible. That is Austin Stanley and Zach Bingham, A to Z Sports, Nashville's on-demand sports talk show in the mornings on Facebook Live and on Periscope weekdays. 8 a.m. is when the boys get things kicked off. I'm sure I will pop up on the morning show as we enter training camp, seeing as my specialty is your Tennessee Titans. And the rookies report on the 22nd. The vets and Mike Vrabel and a couple of the players will speak to us, media vultures, on Thursday the 25th. And we will get going with your Tennessee Titans training camp coverage. So stick around. Make sure that you're sharing the show, that you're sharing the good news of the 615 sessions with whomever may be interested in such podcasts because we do great work here. 
if I do say so myself. That being said, I'm Buck Rising, reminding you to stay hot, Nashville. It should be easy because it's hot as hell outside. We'll catch you on Tuesday with Teron Davenport here on the 615 Sessions, brought to you by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com.